Welcome to People Who Perform, the Real Estate Careers Podcast. Each episode will bring you conversations from business leaders and up and coming stars in the commercial real estate industry in Canada. Our guests will share their unique career journeys, passions, and advice on what it takes to be successful in this industry. This podcast is brought to you by Highview Partners, connecting people who perform in Canadian real estate. I'm your host, Nicola Denning-Miller, and today I have the pleasure of connecting you with Anna Lopez. Anna is the Managing Director of Lease Documentation for Central and Western Canada at Allied Properties REIT and is responsible for overseeing lease administration nationally. She's a graduate of Ryerson University and holds her CLO designation with the Real Estate Institute of Canada. She's an active member of Toronto Crew, a strong female leader, and takes great pride in training and mentoring her team so that they may learn and grow. Anna, thank you so much for joining me today on the Real Estate Careers podcast. So you and I have known each other now for over a decade, can you believe? And um, I'm just absolutely thrilled that you've agreed to be my guest today. I think you have a really inspiring story. I've really enjoyed getting to know you over these years, both personally and professionally. And I'm really looking forward to getting into this with you. So if we just sort of start right at the beginning, how did you get your start inside the industry? I got my start inside the industry by accident. I had no intention of going into the real estate industry, which I'll get into more a little bit later. But I took a summer job at a insurance company. It was in the contracts department. So I did get some exposure to contracts and it was setting up contracts for insurance representatives. The end of the summer came and I had no university or to college to go to. So I took a position in the facilities management department, and it was a great insight into the real estate industry. In that department, I worked on everything from the offer to finding space, project management, construction, the lease, the budget for that space. So I really went into a lot of different areas, whereas, you know, now they have, you know, separate departments that look after each of these different categories. You know, I think it's great when you get your first opportunity within an industry where it's a smaller real estate department. But like you said, you get to experience so many facets of the business and it really gives you an opportunity to figure out what it is you enjoy. And and, and the overall exposure is only going to help elevate you into another career path. So that's that's superb, Anna. Yeah, absolutely. You know, at first when I was working in in the facilities department, I thought I really enjoyed project management. And I thought, okay, this is what I want to do. But I slowly learned that, no, this is not what I want to do. I want to shift my direction and go into the legal world. And that's where I went. Have you seen many other people's sort of take a a similar path out of insurance into real estate? I haven't, but what I have seen is people in the real estate industry where they have gone from, you know, accounting to asset management because that's, you know, both those fields and careers are with numbers. And I think it's an easy dive to get into from an accounting perspective into asset management. I've also seen property managers um, get into leasing and they provide some value um, to the organization that you're with when you have worked in different um, sectors of the real estate industry. 
It gives you a lot more credibility as well, doesn't it? It does. So in terms of your first job in real estate, what would you say are some of the valuable lessons that you learned? So my first job in real estate, taking it again back to the insurance company that I worked for for 10 years, which started off as my summer job, I learned a lot for my manager. It was really the first manager that I had going back 30 years ago, which I would say would be a modern manager of today. So he must have had some insight into what the world would become. He taught me everything I know about managing people. He was all about letting his people learn, make mistakes, learn from them, give them the challenging projects and help the people as they need. And it was a great opportunity that I had because I don't think there's anything like learning from your mistakes. I completely agree. And if you don't have an opportunity to actually correct that mistake yourself, then it's very difficult to overcome it the next time you'll face that challenge. Speaking of mistakes, um, for me, there's two types of mistakes. There's the mistakes you make from learning, and then there's the repetitive mistakes that you make from not focusing or giving it your best. You know, those spelling mistakes, those missed sentences or descriptions in something that you're doing. But if you've made a mistake and you've learned from it, then it was a valuable mistake. Absolutely. And if you have a boss that allows you and gives you that safe space to make mistakes and then be able to come up with the answer and solution yourself instead of hovering and giving you the solution, that really helps you grow as well, doesn't it? Absolutely. And I've never forgotten how I was managed by my first manager. And those are skills that I've adopted today, still today. I let the department, um, everyone in the department, run with their files. If they make mistakes, we'll sit down, we'll talk about it. They learn from them. That's what's important. And it really gives people the opportunity to shine. So in terms of investing in yourself over the years so that you have continued to learn and grow, what have you, what, what have you done for yourself in that area? So because I didn't have the opportunity uh, to go to university or college right after high school, I went to university later. I had my daughter who was three when I started university, and I finished when my second daughter was four years old. So I went to Ryerson University, and uh, later after that, I went to Seneca College and did their law clerk program because it's where I wanted to be. I wanted to get into the uh, legal side of things in the real estate industry. I've also been a member of IFMA. I am currently a member of Toronto Crew. And I work on a few committees with Toronto Crew, do a lot of networking with women there. Um, and I also go to industry events. So I do keep connected in the industry. I do keep learning and taking courses. I'm also a member of REIC and hold my CLO designation. So in this industry, I believe there's always an opportunity to learn. And if you want to stay current and move forward, it's something that I think everybody needs to do. So you sort of mentioned about going back to university sort of later on in life. So what was your experience of being a mature student, Anna? Well, it certainly isn't the same as being a regular student going to school full time when you're younger. I did night school a couple of nights a week. I did meet other mature students that were in the same position I was, either didn't have the opportunity to go to university following high school or 
They were there because they were changing careers, um, wanted to take a course to get ahead in their career. We were still able to um, work on projects together and met a lot of other people in my industry. So it was still very social and we did have other people that we can go to for help. But it, it, it is a little different for sure. And especially when you've got two young ones at home. Yes, for sure. So I worked full time, went to night school a couple of nights a week, and my weekends I spent doing homework. Oh my god! It was it was challenging, but I did it, and I feel like it was one of the biggest accomplishments um, that I've had. Well, you literally wouldn't be where you are today unless you had done that. So for anyone listening in that is thinking about taking evening classes or weekends you're saying that you would recommend it. Yes, absolutely. Well, what do you enjoy most about your current job? Well, most people will find this boring, but I do really enjoy reading leases and drafting leases. I don't have the opportunity to do a lot of drafting now because I have a team that I work with and I work with them on their drafts or I review their work or help them with difficult negotiations. But when I do have the opportunity just to sit down and draft a lease, it's almost like my quiet, peaceful time. Um, one of the things I really enjoy is training and mentoring and watching my team grow. I've had now three admin support staff that have moved from an admin support staff up to a management role. And it's been fantastic to see that growth in them. That's amazing. And and I have to sort of say here, that this is how we met, isn't it? You know, sort of 10 years ago, we yes. helped you secure your p- position at Allied Properties. And I have to say, as a recruiter, one of the main objectives of connecting people who perform and putting great people into great organizations is that you hope that the company is going to thrive with that skill set. But you just really hope that the person joining that organization is just going to have lots of opportunity to grow and to learn and really carve a long term and rewarding career. And you've done exactly that. And, And it just makes me so proud and it's very very satisfying as a recruiter because that's what you hope in every situation. Thank you Nicola yes as you know this um, position for me at Allied and I've been here for almost 10 years it's been fascinating I've grown quite a bit and I've helped others within my department grow as well and um, I'm really glad that opportunity has come my way and I've been able to provide it to three of my staff members you know, as a manager, you have to have a balance between, you know, do we hire an outside person coming in with experience or do we take someone within the organization that's looking to grow? And at times you have to hire someone from the outside because you're just overburdened with the work or the role you're hiring for calls for someone with more expertise. But if you have the time to invest in someone and there's someone within your organization that has that skill to grow, I say invest that extra time, those extra hours and work with them because it does pay off. So inside of the job, we'll talk a little bit about your your passion here. In the job, what puts the fire in your belly and gets you out of bed every single morning? I like connecting with people, talking to people, being around people. Um, Again, it goes back to me 
Um, I like to watch people grow. I get tremendous satisfaction in watching that. So I'll give you an example. My last admin support person is now a lease documentation specialist, and I'm working with her on drafting and negotiating. She does a lot of it on her own, but I'm there to coach her, mentor, and watch. And I enjoy reviewing her work and seeing her progress because I can really see it. And I like to provide that feedback to her so that she can continue. Um, so my, my biggest passion, I think, is developing and watching people grow. And my second passion would be the legal work that I do. Mm-hmm. So during COVID, I mean, obviously everyone is working, well, not everybody, but most people are working from home now. How are you How are you finding that? Like you're obviously missing being in the office if you're a people person. I am missing being in the office. Um, the good thing is that there is still lots of interaction within our organization. And what I've done with my team is every Tuesday at 9am, we all get on teams. So we can visually see each other. And we do have a meeting once a week, just to keep up with what is happening um, within our department with the documents where we sit with workload. And every other Thursday night at 730pm, we have team check in night, so we can grab a coffee or a glass of wine. And we just hang out together virtually for an hour and just talk about anything except work. And that kind of keeps us connected on on a social basis as well. Are you ready to make your best next move in the Canadian real estate industry? We know moving to a new job is a career defining decision. So our team will help you recognize and leverage the skills and the passion that drive your performance. We want you to make the right choice and feel confident you're joining a team of people who perform. So contact us today or visit us at highviewpartners.ca forward slash candidates. What do you feel has contributed to you being a a successful leader? I think I've had great role models in the past, uh, which are currently or have been leaders in this industry. Um, One of the things that I think a good leader should possess is empathy. Um, and some understanding. I also feel that a good leader will not withhold back on information and taking on all the bigger projects that will provide them with exposure to executives. I think a leader will share those projects and let their staff shine. Because for me, Being a good leader and being recognized for a big leader is when I get compliments on my staff. So I feel that a good leader should be able to shine through their staff and their team. What a lovely thing to say. I've never thought of it that way before. It's a compliment to you because your staff are being complimented and they're visible within the organization. Absolutely. And I learned that from one of my leaders that I had many years ago, and I have never forgotten that. And I take a lot of pride when my staff gets complimented for the great work that they do, or how they've upheld themselves in a meeting. um, Because I feel that's like a reflection on me. 
And then their successes become your successes inevitably. Absolutely. Yeah, that's wonderful. So in terms of creating a work environment that your employees find motivating, can you share with us a little bit more about that? Sure. Um, There's nothing that I wouldn't pass on to one of my staff to work on, even if they don't have the capability to finish it off um, on their own completely and they need my help I'll work with them but I'll bring them into that project I also let them think uh, for themselves and if they ask me a question I'll ask the question back at them so they can think about it Um, one of the things that my staff know um, from me is just try don't be afraid to be wrong I'm not going to judge you I rather you come to me with something showing that you've tried, you've put some thought into it, and it's wrong, then you come back to me with nothing at all. I also encourage uh, the team to talk amongst themselves, um, to talk to people outside of the department. I'm not a micromanager, which my team has said that release, that is actually releases a big stress off their part. Um, that I'm not micromanaging and asking for things to be done on a certain date. Um, obviously, there are things sometimes that, you know, when they affect the entire company, I do have to put a deadline in place. But the day-to-day files, they know they have to have them drafted and signed and done before the commencement date. And they've never missed a date, and I don't hover over them at all. I also have you know, a team. And I think it's been with the communication that we have in a relationship where they're not afraid to come to me with anything. Um, If one doesn't sleep well on Sunday night, they'll tell me I'm coming in late Monday. I just didn't sleep well. I can't do it. There's no judgment. Um, They also, you know, at times they need a break during the day, like everybody else. They might surf the internet for five or 10 minutes I have never caught my staff turning the internet off because I've walked by their desk. They still keep it on. And to me, that speaks volumes because they know there's trust. And trust is very, very important amongst a manager and, you know, the staff. Um, I think the team works well together when there is collaboration and the manager is brought into that collaboration and they can be themselves. Wonderful. I I agree. So we're going to switch things up a little bit here, Anna, and just to sort of get to know you a little bit more. So as a child, what did you want to be when you grew up? So since the age of five, I wanted to be a police officer. My grandfather, my dad were both police officers. And that was my dream. When I was 16, I got hit by a drunk driver and had a couple of surgeries on my left knee, um, which I didn't think it would end my career uh, of being, uh, you know, a police officer. When I got to grade 12 and I had to apply for college was when I found out that I would not have the physical requirements to be a police officer because of the multiple surgeries I had on my leg. Hence, that's why I did not apply for college or university when I finished, because I had absolutely no idea what I wanted to do with my life. That that must have been quite devastating news at that age when you've really got your heart set on a certain career path. 
it was absolutely devastating. I still remember the same week I got accepted to police foundations. I found out I was going to have this surgery that I'd never be able to do a lot of the physical requirements that I'd be obligated to do as a police officer. And I was devastated. Um, but it turned out pretty good. I'm managing director of lease documentation and love everything I do. Well, congratulations. And I think the lesson there, what I would take away for some of our listeners is that life doesn't always go the way that you had planned, but there's always an excellent path B if you're open and flexible. I still do some legal work. It's not with, you know, policing, but it's in a different aspect. I know that we've had conversations in the past about different charities that we're involved with and that we feel passionate about. And I was really excited when you showed up to our Help Heal Humanity event. Um, What charitable organizations are are close to your heart and and why? Well, there's a couple of charities that um, I support and they're all to do with cancer. I lost my nephew at the age of six to cancer. He battled cancer for four years from the age of two. And I also lost my dad to cancer. So I do support uh, Princess Margaret, Terry Fox, and Sick Children's Hospital. Being able to support these charities has has helped throughout the years just accept, you know, what has happened and um, become aware of all the research they're doing for cancer. When something affects your family directly, it really raises your awareness and makes you really an advocate for that charity to go on and and, and raise money. Because as a giver to different charities, you can't support everything. You have to pick what is nearest and dearest to your heart. And I think different families, different people are affected by different situations in in their lives. So that's obviously something that affected you personally. You've been able to put your energies into something that then makes you feel a little bit better. Absolutely. And I've done a number of other, um, you know, activities or charity fundraisers that, you know, for cancer, um, outside of the charities that I mentioned. And it's always great to be able to give back. So when you're away from the business, Anna, how do you typically like to wind down or wind up? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I do like to spend a lot of time outside. I love the outdoors, going for walks with the dogs. Um, I've also taken up knitting and crocheting. I've taught myself how to knit and crochet on YouTube. I'm left-handed, so it's not very easy to find um, some YouTube videos that will teach me how to do those uh, left-handed. I've also had an opportunity to paint, so I'd love to paint. And um, I've took up painting again during this time. Well, now now you've shared that, you're going to have to show me some of your artwork at some point. I will. I will definitely do that. You can auction it at one of the tea crew events. Yeah, actually, that's a great idea. It is a really great (laughs) idea. (laughs) So let's end here, Anna, with me asking you for some advice that you would give somebody starting out in our industry. My advice would be to be patient when they're coming into the industry and to try different 
areas within the industry. Try the asset management area, try the property management area, the legal area. See where your passion fits in um, and explore those different areas. And there's nothing wrong with doing that for the first five, six, seven years of being in the industry. There's no time frame. Once you find that spot that just makes you burn with passion, you know, develop your skill sets, stay there for a while. It's not forever. Real estate is always moving. There's always new opportunities. Um, and it's a wonderful industry. And there is no time limit, no time frame to move from one area to the other within the industry. I agree. I mean, once you've decided on a career in real estate, it really is dependent on you putting your hand up and putting yourself out there and asking you know, sometimes it's not a case that someone comes along and gives you what you want. You have to be active in your own development. And that means putting your hand up, volunteering, go, going above the job description and gaining as many skills and competencies as you can. I really appreciate you joining me today, Anna. I think your story is an inspiring one. I think there's some valuable lessons in what you've shared and I hope our listeners get as much out of it as I have. So thank you again very, very much for your time. Thank you for listening to People Who Perform, the Real Estate Careers podcast brought to you by Highview Partners, a talent search and recruitment firm focused exclusively on Canadian real estate. If your real estate team is looking to find the best next hire, or if you're ready to make the best next move in your career, then reach out to Highview Partners today. Follow us on LinkedIn and visit us at highviewpartners.ca.